Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real-life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. My guest is Maxwell Wu. He's the CEO of Fulcrum Lending and has a background, has basically been doing real estate his entire career, starting with an internship at a distressed uh, equity shop, moving through some investment banking, um, a real estate technology company, and exit there. And now, along with his business partner, uh, Fulcrum Lending. So we dive into what they're seeing out there in the capital markets as we hopefully turn a new chapter here with a new year, 2024. The last year and a half in, in commercial real estate has been quite interesting due to very aggressive Fed rate hikes. And now the Fed's indicating that uh, those may be coming to an end. And so we talk a little bit about what's happened over the past year and what they see ahead for the next 12 months, which I always enjoy doing, picking people's brain and learning about what they're seeing out there. Maxwell's based out of New York. Him and his team are based out of New York City, and they do projects nationwide. So I always appreciate that perspective, what people are seeing out there, uh, what they're looking for in deals and operators, and a uh, really sharp guy. Enjoy the conversation. I think you will too. We'll have a word from our sponsors and then jump into the show. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE's been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode's also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Maxwell, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Devin. Yeah, I look forward to diving in um, through the miracle of technology here, talking from San Antonio and Costa Rica. So a little bit, little bit jealous of your vacation down there. Looks like a cool background if you're if you're listening <laughs> to audio. Um, but really glad to have you on, and thanks for for carving some time out. Of course, of course, happy to. Well, let's jump in with a little bit of, of your background here. I always like to understand how people got into. Uh, starting companies, running companies. What was what was your first exposure to to real estate? Um, obviously, want to learn about your company, but maybe some background on you and what brought you to entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's always a very special journey, a unique journey for everyone. Everyone has a very unique story. You know, mine started. You know, I would say pretty young. I, from a young age, you know, my father, my grandfather, you know, they, my grandfather specifically is more of an industrialist in, in Taipei, Taiwan. Um, but I think that bug kind of got to me and, you know, it went from, you know, some small things during college uh, and, you know, all the way into, you know, grad school where ultimately like the, the first internship that I had was at a distressed private equity firm. Um, and that was during my schooling at, at Columbia for real estate development. It was a master's in real estate development program. 
And that's really how I found my way into real estate. Um, entrepreneurship was sprinkled, you know, throughout, but really where I found a, a home, uh, a really, really a place that I could focus was, was real estate. And, and that first job opportunity that I had after grad school, um, you know, we focused on distressed assets, stressed assets, non-performing loans. And really what that taught me was a, a couple different things. It, it, it shows you the value of being able to understand structure and the value of being able to understand complex things. And that, you know, when you put the work into it, and I think that's kind of the story of entrepreneurship is putting the work in and understanding things to a granular level, truly being an expert in it. That's what I learned there. Um, you know, I took that on into investment banking and, and did some other uh, investing roles. Uh, but ultimately found myself back into an entre entrepreneurship role where, um, you know, I was recruited to, um, you know, basically run a, a real estate technology business within a bank. And that was really taking my skill sets in technology and real estate specifically um, to, to, you know, help grow this platform. Um, you know, ultimately what that turned into was a spin out. Um, where we were able to take the technology, take the team and rebuild a business, you know, from the ground up. And, you know, we were able to, you know, sell the business, you know, kind of during COVID to another uh, lending business, uh, this time publicly traded. And, you know, was able to take some time off. But, you know, that experience, of, you know, business building um was one thing that you know i enjoyed so much and you know that's really how i got into the lending side of it and, and building a platform for that um and and now my co-founder and i are kind of doing a, a round two if you will and uh you know going trying to build something you know bigger better and 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 faster and i think we've we've certainly um done so at the right time and I think you heard me say this before, before jumping on, you know, I don't believe in, in timing markets, but I, I do believe in, in, in good timing and, and being at the right place at the right time. And, and when you are, you got to step on it. So it's, it's, it's something that I feel fortunate uh, to fall into, but it's also something where you got to be able to take on these uncertainties head on. And I think if you learned anything in, in the past, uh, you know, three years since COVID and all the ups and downs in the financial markets, um, you know, building things, you know, entrepreneurship, it's, it's something where um, you got to embrace the uncertainty, be very comfortable with the uncomfortable. So um, that's something, again, it's something I've been having to do since I was a kid. Um, and it's always not necessarily outside looking in, but, you know, having have moved schools and, and countries and all that, um, it kind of gives you a different perspective um, on things and how things work and how you can kind of put them back together. So um, long with an answer, kind of sharing how how I got here and, and kind of what's given me that unique uh, perspective and skill set. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for diving into some of that. Um, obviously, there's a lot in there. And the, the challenges that I think we face growing up can prepare us in ways that we hadn't imagined for entrepreneurship. Totally agree. It's about perspective. And and kind of the more you get your cage rattled, 
<laughs> the more you're ready to be an entrepreneur for sure. So it becomes almost normalized at some point. How did you, well, let's talk about Fulcrum because I want to, I want to spend some time talking about your, the platform you have now, the company you're building now. Um, tell us what it is and and specifically, I guess, how, how did you meet your business partner and how that come about? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Fulcrum Lending, right. We, we are a multifamily focused lender, lend nationwide, we, we've chosen multifamily specifically because as we look at cycles, right? I mean, this is kind of one of the things you learn in real estate. You know, one-on-one is that it's a cycle, uh, like many things, but you have to understand it really well to understand the cycle. Um, you know, we saw kind of the amount, we, we not kind of, we saw the amount of money being printed uh, during COVID. You know, one out of every $3 in your pocket just magically appeared. Yeah. Um, and that's just a recipe for inflation, uh, whether people are buying real assets or just, you know, consumer discretionaries. Um, it's led to a, a big boon in prices and it, it's kind of led us to where we are today. Um, you know, my, my business partner and I met at the, our, our last company and, you know, his his background in, in technology and, and specifically, you know, uh, financials, financial services and insurance. Um, setting up, set them up nicely. And I think just working together, right. Being in the trenches together is one of those things where it's, it's a, it's a special thing to be able to solve problems together. Right. Um, to kind of look at things glass half full, right. Where I think we have to kind of look at the problems we have and, and feel as if we are fortunate to have them because mm. you can only come up with solutions when you, when you come about problems or, or come across problems. Um, and I think truly to add value, you got to solve problems. So I think of all the, you know, small things, the small problems, large problems that we were able to solve. Those are all things that developed some good scar tissue for us yeah. and, and uh, giving us the tools to be able to build and, and look around the corner and, and anticipate and really go in as veterans in this business and, and build something special. Um, yeah, that's, that's how, how Ken and, and I met and, you know, that's how we think about the business and that's, that's what Fulcrum does. Awesome. And, um, tell me about a deal. That's a good fit for you guys, market size, you know, vintage, that kind of thing, or, or is it a pretty broad spectrum of what you guys are lending on? It's a pretty broad spectrum. I mean, I mean, uh, we lend nationwide, right? It's, it's high growth, small markets to core urban markets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say a hallmark of the real estate that we lend on is that there's a stabilized or semi semi stabilized aspect to it right. where it's, you know, you know, we can lend on lower occupancy product. Uh, but the, the cost of capital is much higher being, being very candid. Um, really, where the opportunity sits for us today. And this is a very unique uh, perspective or I guess situation that's come about given where inflation is, is that a lot of folks that took out bridge loans in, you know, 20, 21, 22 for that matter, right. They had business plans that were executed and they still think that there's a little bit of, of juice left and they want some extension on those bridge loans to capture, um, that additional cash flow, that incremental um, increase in rents. Um, then there's also folks that took out bridge loans and are just unable to repay them. And again, that's because of the rise in interest rates. 
So what we're doing is, you know, coming in and, and taking out these construction loans, um, giving them some room to breathe, giving them some room to really add value, further add value, rather. And, you know, uh, just get our dollar back, right? It, not to overcomplicate what we do or oversimplify, rather, what we do. You know, our business is, is lending a dollar out and make sure we can get the, get the dollar back and, and that we get paid a a, a, um, a good return for not being able to access it. Um we're we're non-recourse lenders, but we also, you know, we we are perfectly fine collecting, you know, interest payments there. We're not looking to take properties back. We say this often. We do not want to overburden the property. Right. Um, we are very much uh, conscious of making sure that the borrower has enough liquidity. They have enough operational experience. Right. That's another kind of hallmark uh, of of our sponsorship is. You know, obviously, strong experience, strong liquidity, strong net worth, um, and in terms of kind of let's call it the you know the the state of the property, right? It's really anything from a a, a medium value add to a very light value add. Mm-hmm. Um, anything where you take it down to the studs, I mean, we view it view that as essentially construction. Yeah, um, maybe and if you were to cases. yeah. Right. And um, that's just one thing where it, there's a lot of execution risk there. I think uh, from the cost of materials to the shortage in labor, there's a lot of risk there that, you know, people are going to have to you know wrap their arms around. So we, we much prefer, you know, built properties um, that are in, you know, the 80 percent range occupancy and when we sign a deal up, right, we can it can it can start at a lower occupancy, and by the time of funding, right, if it's hitting the the mark that we underwrote to, then we'll certainly finance that. Uh, but the most important thing is that we're we are underwriting cash flow. Uh, we're not underwriting pro forma rents, uh, pro forma NOI. It's very much um, cash today that we're underwriting. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Talk to me about what's happened in the last. 12 months uh we're talking in january very early january 2024 we got a fed announcement last month that seemed to be good news for for real estate um so i'd like to get your thoughts and i'm and i'm always curious to pick people's brains on you know how was the last year for you guys and what you're seeing out there you've seen a lot of different markets a lot of different operators and how are you guys looking at the the year ahead and and what might be um, the type of projects you get into in 2024. Yeah, I mean, uh, no secret, the last 12 months have been a, a crazy uh, bunch of months. Yeah. Um, but it's, but again, going back to, you know, problem solving, being able to experience these things, it's unique. These are once in a, in a generation type of events. Right. And, and we got two to of be them. Able to back, COVID and, <laughs> yeah. COVID and yeah, uh, 11 right. Right. Throw one more in there, right? Um, (laughs) and, uh, it's, it's one of those, again, looking at a glass half full, you know, it's, it's a special thing to be able to solve these problems. I think 24, there will be no shortage of, of, of more. There will be some kind of, um, there there will be more distress. I think the distress that comes about will be short lived. I think the amount of liquidity on the sidelines will certainly zap up a lot of the distress very quickly. So I think a lot of the pricing arbitrage that folks are 
are anticipating or, or looking to take advantage of in these in these stressed or distressed properties um, will go to a very few uh, you know group of bidders uh, for these assets. Right. And I think you can look at you know you know SVB as an example of you know who the bidders were for for those those assets. Right. Um, it wasn't, you know, a far and wide process. It was really to the biggest and, and, and largest, uh, you know, balance sheet, you know, uh, lenders or investors. Right. So, you know, our opinion is, you know, private credit, specifically real estate, uh, will continue to, to outperform, um, a lot of equities in this, in, in from a risk return perspective, um, you know, our subordinate debt positions, Typically yield in the in the twelve to fifteen percent uh, return range, um, and when you combine that with senior debt that we're able to get, just because of the structures and the partnerships that we have, um, you know, we're able to give a blended cost of capital that's still accretive uh, to our borrowers. Um, but to be very clear, right, the reason that we're able to uh, put these two type of loans together and 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 be paid that rate is because we are in a first loss position. Right. Um and that's really important. Um that's very much aligned. That's a big differentiator. Exactly. It's a it's a big differentiator because you know uh, conventional lenders right now in this market, they can do maybe a one two no one two five, one two oh, right? If it's a strong relationship lender. Right. But as as I'm sure you've seen, a lot of people have stepped back. Uh, even the relationship lenders, and it's really just it's it's truly a credit crunch, right? We believe that the real estate's strong. We believe that markets are still strong. Again, so you got to be selective. You got to do your do your homework and 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 choose your spots. Um, but we're fine taking the risk where others cannot. And you know that that alignment where you know we would lose our capital first before you know our 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 other um. You know, partners in the stack. Um, that's an incredible amount of alignment, but that's also for the borrower as well, knowing that we can look into the future with them. Lending down to a one zero DSCR uh, versus a one two zero is is obviously substantial risk. Right. Um, and to be able to underwrite that, you need a lot of technology, and you need to, you need um, very good structuring and protections in place, um, not only for the borrower again. We're 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 not in the the, the loan to own business. It's it's uh, very much lend responsibly. Do not overburden the property. It's about repeat business. So um, you know, with that, right? It's just about again being selective. Um, you know, twenty twenty four, the outlook right now. I think, given what you know. The Fed's come out with on potential rate cuts going forward. Um, that's a that's a really large change in stance versus earlier in 2023. Huge, huge. Oh, yeah. The world was holding their breath for that. For that, exactly, exactly. But that's a big reminder that things move quickly. The world changes very quickly, and you got to be again in the right place, right time, um, and you got to be ready. Um, and so that's obviously given a breath of life to the markets, not only the, the, you know, public equity markets, but also, on, you know, flowing through the privates and, and then also the you know public debt and private credit. Um, 
but it's going to be an interesting time. It's going to be still some banks looking to find their footing, um, knowing that they can plan going forward to deploy more capital. I think there will be more liquidity in 2024. Right. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's our read. That's the, what we see. Um, that's, you know, what we're hearing from borrowers and, and also investors as well uh, into credit. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the long and short of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for the, for the overview there. And, um, you know, I think looking back, we'll see last month as a pretty interesting pivot point over the last couple of years. So looking, looking forward to looking forward to this year. I mean, we were, <clears throat> we never were pencils down our firm. We picked up a couple of deals last year. We kind of held our nose at the rate and just thought we're getting a pretty good basis on a good asset and the rates not forever. Um, so picked up a couple of a good basis deals, but everything was just so much slower. So we're looking forward to hopefully some more deal volume across the board this year. I wanted to ask you, since you've got a unique vantage point talking to multiple operators, multiple markets, what do you look for in an operator? And, you know, there's operators listening or aspiring operators listening. How can operators be better from the lender's perspective? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. Um, Look, we're used to dealing with, you know, institutional, sub-institutional, but also, you know, the high net worth uh, family or individual that's been doing it for, you know, decades, if not generations, right? With that, and really the common thread is, in the most simple sense, organization. Right. Making sure that you have all your things together, you, are tr you, you have the infrastructure in place to track property performance, not only going forward, but we're looking at your historical two, three years of performance, and we want to see a clear picture. Right. Um, it shows sophistication. It shows the level of, of yeah, I would say, commitment to the management of, of the assets. Um, and all that goes to that goes to show the ability in in one's. Oh, I should say. It goes to show how a borrower can actually execute on a business plan, right? right? And saying, "Hey, I've done this uh, X amount of times on you know these properties, and this is the rinse and repeat strategy going forward, right?" Um, but you got to have the data points to show it, you know. Um, so again, in the most simple sense, organization is key. Uh, being able to uh, provide the financials in a, in a, in a timely manner, the, the, the due diligence items in a, in a timely manner um, for us so that we can move quickly, right? Those are all really important. And I think, again, you know, the administrative side can sometimes be easily glossed over. And, and right. you know, I think we all want to be, uh, you know, more focused on on getting the deal done and, and you know, come up with a business plan and and, and such. But, you know, getting things prepared. Um, you know, I think brokers help a lot, um, but, it, you know, folks that are just getting into it, right? I think brokers help them. It, it, it gives them leverage, right? It gives them another person on their team to help them, you know, manage the financials and put it in, the, in a clean and, and concise manner for us to analyze and get back to them quickly. Um, but for the for the larger ones, right? They 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 should have the ability to to have the infrastructure in place. Yep. What is the um? 
couple questions here, but what does your team look like today? Are you guys geographically dispersed? Anything overseas in terms of, you know, virtual assistants? What, what does that team look like today? No, no, we're, we're all local. We're, we're all based in New York. Um, you know, the beautiful thing about our business, and this is a big thing that's changed from, um, I mean, look, lending's been done for centuries, right? Sure. Um, but how we ultimately operate and, you know, be able to cover the nation as we do, it's with all the data that we have. Right. Um, to be able to hear about a deal in, um, you know, East Texas or let's call it the Northwest in Washington, and we're based in New York, and a borrower is saying, you know, we want X amount of leverage here. Uh, we believe, you know, the property can be at, at Y value in the future. On that call, we have to be able to get smart quickly. And, and how do we do that? It's with the technology that we have. Uh, that technology allows us to effectively have a national footprint without without having to you know, establish those offices there. And that's because, right, we have data on properties proximate to the subject property that, that you would be seeking uh, financing on. Sure. And what that does is effectively say, you know, these three properties next to your property are operating, you know, they're spending $1,000 in the R&M. You know, so we'll come back and say, you know, why do you think that, you know, $500 in R&M makes sense? Right. Um, and it goes it goes a couple of ways, right? Uh, oftentimes, they're able to say, look, look at my other properties. This is the historical track record, right? Going back to the organization there. That's key. Um, but, you know, for us, it's also providing value in the sense that the borrower uh, maybe investing out of market. They may not be in, in Washington. They may be a California borrower getting into Washington and they may not know that it costs a thousand dollars, you know, a unit uh, for R and M and they'll come back and say, yeah, you know, thanks for, thanks for pro providing that insight. Um, so, I mean, that's a long winded way of saying that technology is a huge enabler of scale, uh, but also efficiency in, in how we communicate and are able to help borrowers out. Uh, again, whether it be in East Texas or in the Northwest or in Florida or New, or New York for that matter. Yeah, that completely makes sense. Given your vantage point of uh, seeing these deals nationwide, are there a handful of markets that you that you like or that you're kind of looking forward to doing business in You know, this next year? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I gave you this story where we were really looking for more California properties. Right. Uh, you know, we take a top-down and bottom-up approach to um, figuring out where we want to invest. Top-down in the sense where you're looking at, you know, high growth markets, not only just in rents, but net population growth and wages. Um, you know, as we go further in and these and, and borrowers come to us with properties in these geographies, we're taking a bottom up analysis of, of the assets. Right. Um, and we're saying, you know, it costs X dollars per unit to, for R&M and utilities and insurance and, and real estate tax. Right. We're getting very granular there. Um, and that's really that second layer of, of diligence or analysis in, in figuring out if we like the, the property and then also the sponsor. 
Um, so it's really three criteria. It's, it's market, it's, it's asset and it's sponsor. Um, so, you know, geographically, I'd say, you know, the, the, the smile that that's done though, right. It's, it's, it's definitely been, been overbought. I think there's been a, a flood of capital going in there. We're going to wait for prices to, to stabilize. But this is the other thing too, is, is that in a very thinly traded market, you know, pricing is really hard to come about. That's right. right. And, and in our business, it's it's about the cap rate, right? But where things in a market, maybe one asset is traded in the in the market, right? How, how are you going to use that? Right. So you know, as lender, right, what we look at as kind of a a a cap rate for us is what we call the debt yield, and that debt yield is that NOI divided by the loan amount. And for us, it gives us basically a margin of error, a cushion right. saying, you know, do we think in the worst case scenario that, you know, we can be at an eight cap in this market? Do we think that we're in the money or out of the money? And that's kind of that sanity check there. And you, you also brought up another factor or uh, a variable that we look at, which is basis, right? I, I like, I like what you said where, you know, you're finding some, you know, properties with some good basis. Um, and that's what we're looking at as well. We're looking at, again, the, the proximate property, proximate, uh, properties to the subject and looking at where the basis is there, where the yields are there. And again, trying to look into the future with the borrower, right? That's the reason why we're going to that one Oh mark. Um, so it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a one, one answer, uh, <laughs> line that I have for you, Yeah, but that's, that's how we look at it. It's, it there's, a, there's a couple of different layers there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Tell me a little bit more getting to that one. Oh, is that a combination of the senior debt you're bringing in and then, and then some kind of a pref equity that you're also bringing in or how does that work? Yeah. So that's really, um, it, it, it's very similar to that. It's really structured as an A note and a B note. Okay. Um, you know, we share the same first mortgage. Uh, it's really, in the most simple sense, a priority of cash flows. It's saying one investor gets paid back first before the next one. Um, again, it goes to alignment. You know, we're eating our own cooking. We're, we're analyzing the deal. We're bringing it in. And and we want to make sure that, you know, the borrower can, can you know, cover that debt service responsibly. Right. Again, we, we don't want to take these things back. Um, so the uh, the other side to to just kind of taking a look at the market and 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 sizing up the opportunity set for this one to, to the two O range is, again, this rise in interest rates. Um, as interest rates come back in. Right. I think the need for this subordinate debt financing will lessen. But I think that it will still be there will still be a large need for it because it's going to be a slow roll back down to a more normalized interest rate environment. Right. And I think that's going to take closer to, you know, 18, 24 months. Yeah. Uh, we a lot about that. And we kind of hope that it's a slow, you know, we talk in the office, if, if interest rates fall off a cliff, that probably means there's some catastrophe and we've had enough of those the last three years. So you kind of hope to see that 12, 24 months roll back down. So time will tell, but you almost kind of hope for that more gradual. It's just been such a whiplash the last three years that that would almost be welcome to see mm -hmm. some, some steady regimented rate cuts that 
uh, don't spook the markets and don't get, don't continue to give us whiplash. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. So time, time will tell, of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, any new initiatives for 2024 that, that you guys are rolling out or is it kind of like, hey, we've got our stable of borrowers, you know, entertaining new borrowers, continuing to just execute on the existing kind of product set or is there is there any any new stuff you guys are rolling out next year or this year? I mean, I, I think it's really kind of continuing to to um, to land and and go forward with the product that we have and the strategy that we have. I think one new one um, that's that's been slowly rolling out, specifically in California. Again, we'll choose our spots. Again, I, I keep mentioning California as one. I think it's it's not got a lot of love recently, and, and the numbers show it. Right. Um, but that's also why we're, we're bullish on the area, and, and we're finding more people getting back to it. I think I told you the story right. where you know we were – um, you know, canvassing, you know, California for properties to, to lend on. And we actually came back with a lot more properties in Texas. <laughs> right. Um, and that's just, you know, so it's not something you're just reading the financial news, people moving to Texas, it's people moving with their feet, but also showing you with their dollars too. Right. So uh, there's clearly been a move there, but I still think, you know, we, we like Texas as well. Right. But again, it's it's taking a really a fine tooth comb through here and saying, okay, what's the basis look like? What do the yields look like? What's the supply look like? Population, wage growth, right? Um, you know, many more factors there, but um, you know, those are really the the high notes. Um, and and so with that initiative in California, you know, we have some really competitively competitively priced capital, and this is actually a recourse product that is actually garnered a, a lot of attention mm -hmm. and interest because of, you know, the low leverage nature of some borrowers. Sure. Some borrowers can still get, you know, rates and, you know, spreads of maybe 250, 235 over the five year. That sounds high uh, today or, you know, or I guess relative to, you know, yesteryear. Sure. But today that's, that's quite competitive. I think it's, you know, about 100, 150, maybe 200 basis points lower than than the next product out there. Right. And again, this is really more going after these these groups of borrowers that don't really care about the recourse portion because they've been doing it for generations and they haven't really used a lot of leverage historically. Um, and so that it's it's that's a pretty interesting product. It's um, you know, it, it, it doesn't sound as exciting uh, as, as the higher leverage and, and um, more flexible uh, product that we have, um, which is the AB note financing. But this is something that, you know, that we saw a need for. And especially as the markets ease into 2024, um, I think it's going to get a lot more interest as, as folks that aren't worried about recourse. Because I think when there is a lot of uncertainty, you know, Folks are really, really focused on that recourse component. Yeah, but I think with an, with an easing market, people get more comfortable with that. So it's another option for folks. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and it's a different buyer profile, right? Like you, like you mentioned. So that's uh, right. That's yeah. I love it, uh, Maxwell. This has been great. Love diving in, talking shop, learning about your business. If someone listening wants to connect with you and the company, learn more, maybe look at doing a project with you. Where should we send them? 
Yeah, uh, come straight to the website, you know, fulcrumlendingcorp.com. Uh, there you can uh, drop us a note uh, or, you know, create an account on the platform. What's really great about the platform is being able to act as our investor tools. And we have things ranging from, you know, what's sort of like a, a stock screener, which is basically a market screener, helps you find other markets to invest in. Cool. If you've been successful in Southern California, you'll, you'll be able to look at it and say, XYZ criteria work in, in San Diego. Where else in the country does this work? Um, so, that, you know, it helps borrowers find other places to invest. Um, also have a, an underwriting a screener where basically folks can upload uh, about seven pieces of really key information and, and get a initial quote back in 30 seconds. Um, so, you know, it's hard to go buy a property if you don't know how much the, of the lion's share of your capital costs, right? right. Of course. So being able to give them a, an answer uh, relatively quickly is, is hugely helpful. And they can do that, again, all uh, through our platform uh, by creating an account on our website. Yeah, those types of tools are immensely helpful. So that's that's great. And I appreciate you calling that out. So we'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can scroll through and click through the website uh, and check it out. So Maxwell, thank you very much. Wish you guys success in the year ahead and safe travels. Thank you, Devin. Appreciate it. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to DJETexas.com.